What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back again for another episode of the Pick and Roll Podcast. Sam, what's up? What's good, world? Man, let's start out with some basketball this week, man. We got some exciting news, which is Melo is finally back in the NBA, man. I felt like it was it was ridiculous that he didn't have a spot, but now he's back in the NBA and he's got his first game back under his belt. As far as his production is concerned or his role is concerned, what do you think he needs to do in order for Portland to be successful with him on their roster? Number one for Melo is I think he has to expect, I mean, has to accept the fact that he's going to need to do more of the little things that he, that I'm not going to say that he never did, but that he wasn't known for doing in his career, like being a good defender, um, rebounding, getting on the loose balls. Like he's got to do the little things, even be a leader. I feel like that's even one thing that he's going to have to do this year. Um, I just feel like he can't just go out there and worry about scoring points like like he's used to doing. He's got to he's got to change that mentality. Um, if he does that, I think that um, Portland could be a good fit for him. I mean, if you watch the Trailblazers play, they've always had a glaring weakness at the small forward spot. So I mean, it can't hurt to have a guy like Carmelo Anthony there, regardless of what version of Carmelo Anthony that is. Yeah, I think. Leadership, definitely, like you said. I think that that's probably the most important thing that he can bring to a ball club that has a bunch of youth. They don't have any vets on that team. So Melo can definitely step in, step in and let them help them to know what it's going to take in order for them to get over that hump. Granted, Melo may not have had the best career as far as playoff runs are concerned, but I'm Melo's a smart guy. He knows what it takes to get to where they want to be. And these these guys that's in the league right now, they grew up watching Melo. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but, I mean, these guys grew up watching Carmelo Anthony play ball. So, I mean, they're going to respect him. Exactly. It's almost like he's the OG of the squad now. So, he's got to take that role, and I feel like flourishing. This is a unfamiliar territory for him because we've never necessarily needed Melo to step up and be like – that guy in the locker room, that veteran presence in the locker room. And now that's what he's going to have to be. And along with that, like you said, the I mean, there's no secret that the Blazers haven't had any success at all at small forward. They just – that's been their weakness. It's been either Dame or C.J. McCollum. And I think the biggest thing that Carmelo can do is be consistent. They don't need Melo to go out there and score 30. They don't even need Melo to go out there and score 20. If Melo can score a consistent 15 and be efficient, he doesn't necessarily have to be efficient every night, but somebody that they can count on to get that little bit of buckets that they need from that small forward position, then Melo will he'll be more than more than what they need because we know that he can fill it up for 30 if need be, but that's not what they need. They they've got guys that can score. Like you said, they need Melo to be more effective on defense. They need Melo to be a force as far as rebounding is concerned. Also, I would love to see them put Melo at that four sometimes and play a little bit of small ball and have him torment those uh, small forwards in the league because Melo can beat some guys off the dribble, and the guys that he can't beat off the dribble, he can put in a post. So He's a perfect four for this NBA. He can hit the three. He mm-hmm. got a, he, He's a great mid-post guy, so you could post him. In the mid in the mid range spot, letting go to work, kind of like how you would, um, how you draw up plays for Lamarcus Aldridge. Like yeah, that, I agree. Thing. I agree. I I think that I'm excited because I didn't. I was hoping that Melo would end up on somebody's roster, but I'm just glad that he went to a team that he can actually help. That's not only a contender, but somebody who needs somebody like Melo. This isn't just a situation of somebody showing pity and grabbing somebody that they knew still needed to play. This is some, and he was just going to sit on a roster and soak up like the bench. But this is a guy Melo who they, like I said, they need. So it's, it's great to see him back in the situation or where he's needed. And I just hope that he, he shows everybody the talent that he still has because Melo's a guy, he, he it's not just one year left in Melo. Melo's got this year and, potentially next year, maybe even one more year after that of basketball left in him. You can see it. So it just – it's all going to depend on how 
how Melo accepts the role that they need him to play in. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. I, I'm excited for it, though. I think I think that Melo can definitely make some things happen in Portland. But let's um let's let's talk about another team, man. The, the Celtics are surprising a lot of people this year. Right now, they have the best record in the East, and they're looking good. They're looking good, which I expected them to be good, but I don't know if I expected them to be this good this fast. With them losing Kyrie, Al Horford, and Terry Rozier, it, it I mean, this is that's not those are three guys that were instrumental in that team. So why do you think that Boston is better now without having those guys? Like how how do you think that they found more success without having Kyrie, Horford, and Scary Terry. Um, I think that a lot of it, honestly, is still early. So I think a lot of it right now has to do with the fact that Gordon Hayward's healthy. I don't think they've had time to miss all those guys because Gordon Hayward's been healthy and it's so early in the year that teams aren't necessarily who they're going to be yet. Not saying they're not going to keep it up, but I'm just saying like right now, it's too early in the season for them to have missed them. That's how I feel. I, I don't think – I think that Gordon Hayward's playing so well that it's kind of – right now it just don't matter. But I think later on in the year when teams start to figure out their rotations and, I mean, the grind of the season starts to catch up to this team, I think they'll start missing those guys. I don't know. I don't think that's going to be the case just off the strength that Brad Stevens is their coach. Brad Stevens is – Brad Stevens is a guy that even in college, he never had, I guess, I guess you could consider Gordon Hayward as being that guy, but he's he never necessarily had a guy that was super ball dominant. And in the NBA, that's all he's pretty much had. Like when he had Kyrie, ball dominant guy. Al Horford also calls for some touches, but this is a team that he can like run an offense to where anybody's number can get called and there's nobody on that roster that's going to be upset about getting less shot attempts. I feel like this is the the perfect squad for a, a coach like him to have just off the strength that he's got a young guy in Jason Tatum who can step up and be the guy that he needs him to be if it gets down to the stretch. And if Jason Tatum does struggle, he's got a guy that's been in the league for a while in Kimba that's also showed that he's capable of it. But these are guys that are all willing to – not be that guy for the betterment of the team. And that, to me, is what makes uh, Brad Stevens' teams dangerous. Not having somebody that he's just going to force feed the entire time. It's guys that that are going to go out here and get their buckets any given night. Like you said, Gordon Hayward's playing lights out right now. Uh, Jason Tatum's playing good ball. Kimball Walker's playing good ball. But it's bound to happen to where some of these guys start to I guess take a step back and not be as effective as they are now. And I think with that, they're going to be good to go. I personally think the thing that the guy that they're going to miss the most is Al Horford, but it's in the yeah, defending. Yeah. They're going to miss him in the paint, but it's not Al Horford's not a guy that they're, I feel like they're, I don't think they're going to miss necessarily Al Horford. They're just going to miss having a guy in the paint period. That's, that's their weakness right now is that they don't have a big man. Is Cantor not playing? Yeah, but Cantor, uh, Cantor's just not being that guy. Like I don't, I don't know. I, I maybe I need to look at the uh, the box score. I'm not sure if game that they played in, but I've been watching. It's been like noticeable that they they're missing that presence. Like you can see that they don't have a center out there. I I mean, Cantor, I feel like Cantor is cool, but Cantor's not a – he's not that guy in that paint. Like, he's not somebody that guys are fearing in the paint. He, they, they don't feel like that gives them that post presence that they need. Not on and defense. He'll help the it Definitely. And he can score on the block, though, but, yeah, he don't defend at all. And that's the thing, like – They've got a really good team, but that's the that's the weakness. Like they, I mean, they really don't have another center on their team outside of him. 
I mean, they got the Robert Williams dude that they drafted, but outside of that, I mean, it, like Taco is in the G League right now. They just, yeah, they are desperately needing a center. And I think that's what's going to come back to hurt them, especially being in that that Eastern Conference when it gets down to the stretch, like come playoff time. They're going to need somebody to protect that paint when it comes against guys like Giannis or when, if they have to line up against Embiid. Like, you, you're going to see that it's going to be there. Like, it's going to be guys that are going to be attacking the paint recklessly, and there's nothing that they can do about it because they don't have a guy like Al Horford to slide over and help. All they have is Cantor. And like I said, people aren't really fear, fearing Cantor. So I think that I think they'll be good, but if I were them, I would be looking at potentially trying to get a big. A big. Especially for the playoffs. Because, I mean, you, you might have to get in a series where you got to face Al Horford and Joel Embiid. Exactly. Like. <laughs> That's that's and that's gonna be spooky. Even if it's to go out and trade for a vet like a Tyson Chandler or something like that, just some type of uh paint paint presence that's gonna help protect the basket. I don't care if it's a guy that don't do nothing else but protect that paint. I think that that's what they need desperately. But yeah, man, I'm I'm excited for Boston. I think that they're making some strides. There's been a lot of talk about people saying that. We potentially looking at a Lakers Celtics uh, championship again, or a run where both of those guys are going to be good for the next few years. Which I can see it, but like I said, Boston gonna have to make a couple of changes before they can get there. But having Brad Stevens on a on a bench, that's going to help them out a whole hell of a lot, I would say. But yeah, man, let's uh, let's jump to some college football real quick. Um, Bama. They ran into another roadblock um, this past week. They they looked like the Bama team that we expected them to be uh, against Mississippi State. Um, but they lost their guy, man. Tua went down with a hip injury, and he's gone for the season. That that that's the biggest blow that Bama probably could have taken. Um. What do you think their chances are of winning a championship without Tua? Um, I'm not going to sit here and say they're not good enough because I don't know anything about the backup quarterback at all. Five star. I mean, obviously, I would assume that much, but I just I don't know. I mean, I feel like you can't count a Bama team out because they lose Tua just because we've seen them reload at every position whenever need be. Um, but I mean, I think the committee's going to view them different for sure. And I think that's the biggest thing is that the committee's not going to look at them as a championship team, at least not right now. Maybe after if the quarterback balls out a couple games and they and he looked like he really could take them there, then they might start favoring them again. But right now, I mean, the committee's not going to look at that Bama team minus Tua and be like, yeah, we gonna put them in over a, a, a one loss Oregon or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it, it. It definitely hurts them from that standpoint. Um, to me, I think the biggest issue or the biggest, um, I guess, roadblock for them or biggest potential issue for them would be Utah. And Oklahoma. I say Utah because Oregon's currently sitting at six right now. If Utah beats Oregon and they're playing, they'll play in the Pac-12 championship, right? Because they don't play each other regular season, I don't believe. If Utah just happens to beat Oregon, that's going to help their resume. And if Oklahoma wins out, which they just beat the undefeated Baylor, if they win out and uh, win their conference championship. Those would be two guys with conference championships that could potentially jump Bama, who obviously won't be in our conference championship unless something crazy happens to LSU these last couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, I feel like that's going to hurt them. And, I mean, like you said, the committee is going to look at them different now. You you took away the best quarterback in the nation, arguably, and now they got to they gotta plug in another guy. And 
I think that if they can get over the committee hump as far as getting in to the playoff, that's going to help them out a lot. Because if that's the situation, now you're looking at an Ohio State situation from the first year of the playoffs. You got a guy stepping in that quarterback that don't nobody got film on. They don't nobody know nothing about. They don't know his skill set. They don't necessarily know exactly what his abilities are. So it's going to be hard to scheme against him. Most likely, obviously, people are going to scheme to try to stop Bama's run because that's what they assume that they'll be leaning on. If this guy can step in and show that he's a capable thrower, it's going to be a scary situation for other teams because they don't know what to expect from him. Let's just say this guy got a little bit of athleticism. That throws a whole other wrench into the situation as well. I haven't watched him play at all. I just know that he is a five-star. He was a five-star coming out. So it's not like they're having a a drop-off as far as um, ranking, but his ability – well, that that remains to be seen. We'll see exactly what he's able to, what he's capable of doing. I think, like I said, they they've got the potential to shock some teams because teams don't have, don't, like they don't have any footage. They don't they don't know what this guy's gonna bring to the table. It's gonna be hard to scout him, especially now, seeing as they're not in the SCC championship. That right there, that's that's an extra game that you get to scout this guy. Now you just got to go off what two games? They only got two more games left. Mm-hmm. So, and one of them ain't they always play like somebody terrible the last game of the season. So it's probably going to be very little footage that you're going to get to see on this guy. So that definitely, I feel like, works in Bama's favor. I I don't know what the committee's views are going to be, but if they can get over that hump. I think Bama's going to be a very scary team. I, me being a Buckeye fan, I don't want to see them with uh, their backup quarterback because I don't know what to expect. I would, I would much rather play them with Tua and know exactly what we're getting as opposed to going in there blind. So yeah, I don't know. We'll I don't see. I think a lot of people put a lot of weight on that about how, like don't pay attention to how important that is. Yeah, and, and that's it's very important. Like I said, it goes to show Ohio State. Like everybody knows, Cardell Jones wasn't one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, but you didn't know what to expect from him. That's why Ohio State was so good. You saw the next year once teams had film on him, <laughs> just how um, I don't want to say bad, but I guess just how not good he was, or just how how much not having film on a player shows. I guess bodes well for for another player. It's like once you got film on that guy, you saw okay. Here's what here's what to do. And once teams start to see that, his job was gone mid season. I be telling people that's so, all the sophomore slump is in the NFL. Is now we got sixteen games on you. Exactly. We know exactly what your weaknesses are. Can you get better year after year? That's all it is. It's exactly what it is. So. Excuse me. Like you said, a lot of people don't put enough emphasis on that, and I think that that'll be huge for Bama. But let's continue on the two a little bit, man. With this injury, this pretty much what what most people would believe, me included. I mean, it, it will wrap up his college career. He should be heading toward the draft next year, so. That means that Tua Tungavailoa has never had a full college season. He's never played an entire college football season. That being said, how detrimental do you think that that will be for his NFL career? Do you think that his career is like in jeopardy or not? I guess his more of how GMs see him. Do you think that that's in jeopardy now that we've you know, he hasn't had a full season. Like, this is another injury-prone season that he's had, and he has yet to play a full college football season. Knowing that NFL seasons are way more grueling and longer than a college football season, do you think that this will hurt him moving forward? I don't want to say yeah, but I think it's going to be an issue, man. It, and it's not like he's re-injuring the same thing. It's something new every time. Every time? And it's like, I don't know. I think it's definitely going to affect his draft status as far as, like, when he gets drafted. Um, the, the injury he got right now is the same injury that Bo Jackson had, and they said Bo Jackson ain't never come back the same from that shit. Granted, it yeah. was a long time ago, but still, I mean, Bo Jackson was, like, 
a different breed. Yeah, that to me, I feel like that's definitely a major point to look at. Like you can't look at I don't know, you can't look at this injury and take it lightly just off the shrimp of what happened with Bo Jackson. Granted, Bo Jackson was a guy that was gonna have to take a lot of hits and run between the tackles. So I felt like it was definitely gonna be different for him. I felt like it probably hampered the way that he could run, like his his running ability. With Tua, it's not gonna be too much of that. But I mean, <laughs> this is something that people I guess laughed at. But you look at Dak Prescott's um warm-up, that just goes to show how important your hips are. Like it your hips are very important as a quarterback. Like that the way the ability to slide in the pocket, the ability to make certain passes, like your hips control all of that. That's why uh, in baseball it's very important for for batters to hit a certain way. Like you have to hit with your hips and same with pitchers. Like you have to rotate your hips a certain way to be able to sling the ball the way that you want to. So it's definitely an injury that you want to pay attention to. But goodness gracious, it's it's sad when you think about it because to me Tua is the the second most talented player in the nation behind Chase Young. As far as quarterbacks are concerned, he's got the best ability out of any quarterback in the nation. Tua's a guy that right now his skill set translates to the NFL perfectly. He's not a guy that I feel like you're going to have to sit behind a guy to get him ready. He's a guy that, with his ability, if healthy, he's going to come in right now and be what you need him to be. Um I'm not going to say he's similar to Patrick Mahomes into taking the NFL by storm the way that he did, but he's similar to Patrick Mahomes as far as being NFL ready. Like Patrick Mahomes didn't need that year where he sat behind Alex Smith. They did that out of courtesy because of the respect that they have for Alex Smith. But Patrick Mahomes was better than Alex Smith when he stepped in the league. And I feel like that's how Tua's going to be. Whatever team Tua winds up on, he's most likely going to be better than the starting quarterback on that roster. He's going to be ready to step in and produce. But, like you said, it's not looking good. It's going to come down to that draft stock, man. You want to know something crazy? I've been having this notion that I believe that Tua's draft stock is going to fall. It's going to lead him to not being a first-round pick. Like, I think that teams are going to pass on him. And he's going to fucking end up with the Patriots. I think the Patriots will take a late draft pick on Tua. And he'll be the heir apparent to a Tom Brady. Oh, man. That's... Kenny, that's he, he, you know, I'm a huge Tua fan, but he it's starting to worry me. Yeah, I'm worried about the injuries, too. I am. But with where the Patriots are right now, I think that they would be willing to take that gamble on Tua and have him come in and if he can pass the NFL physical, they will gladly take that chance with Tua. And, I mean, you you never really know. We've seen them pull off crazier stuff. If it don't work with Tua, I wouldn't be surprised to see them trade and get them a guy that, that can be who they need them to be. But... I don't know, man. I've really been getting that vibe that I think most teams is going to pass on to it just off of his injury history, and he's going to fuck around and end up with Bill Belichick. Man, that's going to be petty. If he, <laughs> I, think, I think if Tua stays healthy, he's going to be a hell of a, a stud. There's, there's no question about it. His skill set is ready. Like, he's ready to step into the NFL and be one of the top-tier quarterbacks. That's just – it, it, I mean, there's no denying that. He's that talented. He's got everything you need. He reads defense as well. He's got a hell of an arm. He's accurate. His only downfall is that Tua gets too cocky sometimes when it comes to throwing. He tries to make plays that he knows that he can make, but he tries to make the situation more difficult. You'll see him run out of the pocket and try to make a, a – zip the ball into a really tight window, and in the NFL, that'll cost you. I think he'll be smart enough to know that I can't get away with the stuff that I got away with in college. And if he can stay healthy, yes, Tua will be a stud. But that's a huge if now because, like I said, if you haven't made it through an entire college season, how are you going to make it through an NFL season? Because them sacks that you take in college, 
them shit just gonna feel way different coming from an NFL player. Yeah, yeah. I can guarantee. And they know that you injury prone too. Any lick that they can get on you, they're gonna make it hurt. They're not gonna hit you like they hit other quarterbacks. They're gonna try to sling you down, hit you hard. They're gonna try to do everything in their power to make sure that you feel them hits. So it's it's not I feel like right now it's not even a debate about his talent. It's gonna be about his body. What's going to happen with his body? Like you said, you made a, a very strong point. It's not that it's the same thing with Tua. It's been a different injury every time. One time it was his knee. Next time it was his ankle. Now it's his hip. What's next? Like It's like his whole body is just like breaking down. I just, I don't know. I can see us seeing a 30 for 30 with him being like a Marcus Dupree. Oh man, the best that there never was. Like, I I hope and pray that's not what we see. But goodness gracious, it's like, what more can happen? It's 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 got to be only up from here. Because if anything else happens to Tua, you can pretty much cancel his NFL career. I just I don't know, man. That's how I'm seeing it, but. Speaking of NFL quarterbacks, man, we had something great happen over the weekend, which was Colin Kaepernick had himself a workout. And we let's let's talk about the workout before we get into the logistics of things. There I haven't seen not a bad thing about his workout. They've said that he looked 100% in shape. They said his arm looked just as strong as it did. I saw one um, was a one NFL scout that went as far as saying that he's got an elite caliber arm, which to me that's not surprising. We knew Cap had the talent. That that wasn't the reason why Cap wasn't on the field, but it was great to see him go out there and do what we knew he could do and look as good as he could look. Just like he said in his – um, and his press conference. I've been trying to get back in the NFL. I've been out of the NFL for three years. I've been ready for three years, and he just went out there and showed it. But then we had the whole aftermath issue. We had a lot of people complaining and saying that Kaepernick um, is playing games and he's not taking it seriously by doing what he did as far as the NFL was concerned with them planning – uh, his workout and him switching at the last minute and going and changing the location and the venue and all of this stuff, which in turn led to a lot of teams not coming to see him because it was originally said that it would be 20-some teams that came to see him work out. It ended up only being eight because he switched the location. Um, what do you make of him switching the location? Um, well, to me... It wasn't that he switched the location. It's that he waited so long. I thought it was weird. I mean, I, it didn't make sense to me at all. Um, yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. Like It was genius. It was genius. I, I, I agree with you and him waiting, I guess. But I think that he wanted to take the time to actually, you know, I, I think that Behind the scenes, there was probably a lot of back and forth between him and the NFL. I'm pretty sure that throughout this whole time of the NFL planning the workout and him switching the date, I'm pretty sure that there was some kind of communication between that time and him trying to get some things lined out differently. Because here was the thing. The NFL planned the workout. But the NFL stipulations as far as the workout were concerned that there could be no camera crew in there. None of Cap's people could come in there and record it. The only people that could record it would be uh, Atlanta Falcons um, video people, which they obviously they work under the NFL. And the only way that the footage could be given to any other teams that came to see Cap would be through the NFL. So the NFL will hire who they wanted to handle the cameras. And the only footage that they would, the only footage out there would be controlled by the NFL. The only way that it got out would be through the NFL. Nah, the, one, so, the one I read said that he, they was gonna give him raw footage. Like he was gonna get, he was gonna get the raw, like they was gonna give Kaepernick the raw footage of the, of the workout too. 
Yeah, they were, but it was going to be from the NFL's people. Like he wouldn't be able his his camera crew wouldn't be able to come in and record anything. So with that being said, a lot of the I guess a lot of the notions that people were were taking away from the situation was that let's say Cap had a real good ball, like something that just looked real sharp. Like, oh, I remember Cap threw that 20-yard out route, and it was right on the money. Let's say that don't show up on the footage that the NFL got. They're like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure what happened to that play. I don't, we don't, we got, here's the footage that we got. They would control everything that was distributed as far as the tape is concerned. And I think that the big issue with Cap's part or Cap's people was that we're already in a situation where you guys have shown that you don't want us in it. You don't want Cap in the NFL. So why would we, why would we be okay with you guys controlling everything, controlling who gets our footage, controlling the actual footage itself, controlling the people that are recording everything that's going on? Why would we put ourselves in jeopardy of doing that? Not only that, but why would we put ourselves in a position to where this this workout is completely closed and not open to anybody? So now y'all control the narrative. Y'all control everything. Y'all control coming out and saying, well, Cap just didn't look the way that, you know, we expected him to look. As opposed to Cap going out here and it being open to the public and Cap actually showing everybody what's going on. Uh, Steven Jackson from the NBA came out and made a statement and said the reason why the NFL did what they did is because they didn't want none of these bombs that Cap was throwing to be all on Twitter and all of this stuff. They didn't want it to come back and look like, oh, man, Cap really got this talent. Why Now everybody's questioning why hasn't he been in the NFL? And now the NFL's got to step up and be like, well, I mean, he wasn't in the NFL because at the time he didn't have the talent. But like Cap said, he's been ready for three years. So I think that Kaepernick played it as smart as he could with not only switching the location, but holding it open to the public so people could see the talent that he had and also controlling his own narrative. Now I got the footage. Y'all want to get y'all if y'all want to break bread with me or y'all want me to come be a part of y'all's team here. I got the tape here. This is if y'all need to look at it, here it is, right here. It's, it's to y'all's it's right in y'all's hands. If y'all want it, but it's not going to be no games played by the NFL. And I think that that was kind of Trump or <laughs> Trump. That was kind of uh, Kaepernick pulling the Trump card. Like, okay, y'all, y'all played y'all's hand. So here's what I'm going to do. Like, it is what it is now. The table's set. If they want to see me, here's the footage. Even those teams that didn't come watch me work out, they can get the footage of this. It's all right here. So I think that I don't think that anything really hurt Kaepernick as far as switching the location i don't think it hurt him at all as the way that people were making it seem like a lot of people was like oh he just fucked up his chances of going to the nfl it hurt him in the I aspect don't, of that it, it made it look like a stunt like a pr move i can understand that but i but, don't i mean as far as like scouting no, nah, it didn't hurt him as far as him getting a shot in the league i don't think but i just feel like he definitely made that shit look like it was like like it was a PR stunt. He had them people show up with them t shirts on and shit. Like, and he showed up with the coot the can't say. Like he made he if it wasn't a publicity stunt, then he he did a very good job of making it seem that way on an accident. I guess because I mean, I mean, it, it just seemed like it was. I don't know. It could have been some back and forth, and that's why he switched it at the last second. But I mean, it seemed pretty. Like he had that shit planned out. Like he knew what he wanted to do from the get go. That's why. That's what I. That's what it seemed like to me. Like I don't really. Care. I mean, I think I'm that he knew what he wanted to do from the get go as well. I believe that this is what he wanted to do from the get go. But I don't think that the NFL was, you know, trying to meet him halfway with anything. So I guess instead of him making amends with the NFL, or the NFL coming to meet him halfway, he was just like, "Fuck it, let's take it into my. I'm putting matters in my own hands. This was. This is what it's going to be." So I, I I think that it was the right move. And definitely, like you said, it can be looked at as a publicity stunt, most definitely, just off of the strength of, like you said, the T-shirts, the way that it, it turned into this big old spectacle and him getting in front of the media at the end of the workout and 
saying what he said. It's kind of like a lot of people can look at it as he just wanted to put the NFL on blast once again, which, I mean, people are within their rights 100% of believing that because, I mean, all signs do point to that. That's what it looks like. I've been there. But I don't even pay attention like that to the Kaepernick shit no more because I've been to the NFL was blackballing them. Because, I mean, you got guys like that Peterson dude last year. Like, it's it's cold-cut bums playing quarterback. You know what I'm saying? And everybody knew Kaepernick still could play the fucking quarterback spot. I mean, I don't under anybody who don't think that either trying to troll and be funny or they just don't know shit about football. Yeah, that's a fact. He's he's clearly got the talent. But let's let's touch on man, Stephen A's comments were I guess somewhat similar to what we just touched on. But he took it a step further in saying that <laughs> Kaepernick ruined every, any chance he had of being in the NFL, and then he had that whole back and forth with Eric Reed, which he had. I want to touch on Eric that Reed. for just. Oh man, did he? Him and Eric Reed went at it on Twitter. I didn't see that. Oh, it was intense, like super intense. They was going at it. A lot of the stuff that was said was, uh, Eric Reed basically, uh said that Stephen A was cooning and shucking and jiving and all of this stuff by making the statements about Kaepernick. And um, I want to go on record and say I don't don't agree with anything that Stephen A said in regards to Kaepernick. But the stuff that he was saying about Eric Reed actually held some merit. Stuff that he said to Eric Reed was that this same NFL – that you're you're protesting and that you're mad at other people like Jay-Z for partnering with the NFL and doing stuff like this, but you're still accepting a check from them. So is the issue really the NFL or what is your what's your whole um angle? Like what is your angle? Who are you really mad at? Because Eric Reed even went into bringing up other people. He said people like you Jay-Z and Malcolm Jenkins. Um, what did he say? I don't want to misquote him, but he definitely, yeah, Eric Reed said some stuff and Stephen A said a lot of stuff back. And only thing I do agree with, with Stephen A is like he said, like, how are you gonna call people out for partnering with the NFL when you're still accepting checks from them? You're you're basically partnering with them as well and you're not even doing that like it's what you're doing is way worse than a partnership because you're just getting paid by them you're accepting a check you're just somebody else on the payroll but eric reed's tweet said at stephen a smith tap dancing for the nfl like and puts the uh down emoji because it's a uh a video of donald duck um with a hat on and dancing, tap dancing and stuff. Damn straight, Colin wants to control the narrative. He's supposed to. Uh, he's supposed to trust the organization that blackballed him and has done absolutely nothing in good faith. Born into, born on Tuesday, just not last Tuesday. Stephen A. Smith came back and posted a video and then said, "Man, please, you embarrass yourself at Eric Reed every single time you open your mouth. You." Of all people, talking of tap dancing, when you're the one collecting a check from the very institution you collect a check from. You, Eric Reed, who takes a knee, supposedly for brothers, yet attack brothers, Malcolm Jenkins, Jay-Z, and me, at every turn the second someone disagrees with you. You, at Eric Reed, got the nerve to call out the NFL when your beef was supposed to be with society in regards to police brutality and racial oppression. Where's your plan? (laughs) (laughs) He said, huh, Eric Reed? To call out, uh, oh, to call out or beat, I think it was supposed to be out, to call out or beat up everyone who utters a word you disagree with? All brithers, by the way. (laughs) Let me tell you something, Mr. Eric Reed. Kaepernick has been supported. We've all said he was done wrong, that he was blackballed, that he should be in the league. Who the hell hasn't acknowledged that? But life isn't fair. It damn sure ain't ideal. And at some point, you've got to grab the opportunity. 
caps uh, caps occurred today. And what he do, and what does he do? Alters the process and shows up in a t-shirt alluding slavery at Eric Reed for a job interview. When are you, yes, you at Eric Reed gonna wake the hell up and realize that maybe, just maybe, the enemy at this point ain't the NFL. It's not Malcolm Jenkins, Jay-Z, or me. Maybe the enemy is you, your childish tendencies, your unwillingness to accept that you can't run a damn thing, <laughs> but so much <laughs> when your hand is out for someone else's dime or product, especially when you haven't played in three years. When you were 1-10 in 10 in your last 11 games as a starter and the top four league MVP candidates are all black, when will you learn? Man, he went on to have a whole bunch of other tweets. Um, but, yeah, basically just said to tune in the first take and all of this stuff and basically said um, your ears are called, you're too blinded, um, love and respect by simply letting you know uh, what will and what won't, what will and what won't work. But yeah, he he yeah, I think he ripped <laughs> he ripped Eric Reed a new a new one. Shizzle. Um that's the thing. I will say, like I said, I don't agree with Stephen A's take as far as Kaepernick is concerned. I understand what he's saying as far as it being a job interview or approaching it from a job interview. But we we've seen time after time again that these players aren't there, that's the narrative that they're trying to change anyway. They don't want this to just look at – they don't want to be looked at as just employees when we're making as much money as we are, which obviously that's what it is at the end of the day. But like like I said, I, I agree with what Kaepernick did as far as controlling his own narrative. When you have the power to do that, do it. That's what he did. But as far as Eric Reed and – his take on bashing a bunch of other people. Stephen A's points hold a lot of merit. A lot of black people ain't going to agree with it. They don't like it. Just off the strip because Eric Reed stands for what he stands for. And I'm with him as, as a black man in America. I'm with a lot of the stuff that Eric Reed stands for. But this shit here, Stephen A said a lot of facts, man. It's it hard for you facts. to, it's hard for you to judge a lot of these people that you judging when you are accepting a check from this organization, like it's, it would be completely different if you was a guy that's like, fuck this. I'm not going, no, I'm not accepting no checks from these guys. If that means my NFL career is over, so be it. But I don't, <laughs> I, I just, I don't see how you can fix your lips to bash somebody like a Malcolm Jenkins or like somebody like a Jay-Z or like somebody well, I, I can see why you can bash a guy like Stephen A because his comments was off. But to bash and bring these other guys into it, I think for me personally, I think the guy that that I feel like got a lot of slack out of this was Jay-Z. Just off the strength that Jay-Z's already shown that he's a pillar in the community. He's done a lot for black people. He's done a lot for standing by Cap. He turned down the uh, opportunity to perform at the Super Bowl just off the strength of Cap. So it's not like he's chasing a check from the NFL. Obviously, he's got a bigger picture here that probably we can't see just we can't see at this particular moment. But Jay-Z has already shown that he's a brilliant guy. So I I, I find it extremely hard to believe that he just partners with the NFL just for shits and giggles. It's obviously got to be an ulterior motive that we can't see at this point. That's going to make everything make sense at the end. And we but, gotta stop every time though, as black people, but every time somebody say something that that you don't agree with, and they got to do with a black person or the black community, bro. We gotta stop calling people coons all the time. That's just, like, <laughs> that's a fact. Like every, that's a fact. Like every time, like people was calling Jay Z a coon because he partnered with the NFL. Like, bro, do you know how much he really does exactly, for black people? Like, bro, like, come on now. like every time somebody do something that you don't agree with or even say some dumb shit. Like, I don't mean they a coon, bro. Maybe yeah, I don't just jump the coon. Shit, like, yeah, yeah, you can't, yeah. Like, it, it, that that's, you got to do a lot of things to earn that. Like, you can't just earn that. It's hard. It's one, one, yeah. one incident don't, don't automatically show you a coon. It might show that you got coon ways, but it ain't shown in that. It, ain't nobody said it about Kanye, though. Fact. It's weird.
That's a fact. People want to look at certain people in different lights. But we got to quit canceling all the the black people that's actually, you know what I'm saying? They, they actually got a platform and try to do good things for the community. Like, why would you try to, like, come at Jay-Z? Like, that's just so, just, it's stupid, bro. Like, yeah, that's about trying to pull, pull black people down. You know what I'm saying? And, yes. And, like, you got people... It's just I don't know, man. I don't even want to go into no rant about that shit for real. But it's just like any at any given moment that we get, we always try to tear down a black person with some power. So that's they, a fact. They say or do one thing that we don't agree with. It's a wrap for you. And that's the thing. The biggest thing is that incidents are happening or instances are happening that certain individuals who do have a platform like an Eric Reed. Something's happening that certain people aren't agreeing with, and it just ends up blowing up. Instead of it being something that I don't really agree with that, but it is what it is. I don't know. Right. I don't know what his take is, but me personally, I wouldn't do that. But hey, it is what it is. That's that's on him. Instead of it being that, it's always fucking World War Three. Like it turns into a fucking atomic bomb. It turns into you calling somebody like Jay Z. Who we know, we know he's for the black community. But you got people out here calling him Eric Reed for one, calling him a coon and calling him this and that. And obviously you got people that follow Eric Reed just because of how he stands with Cat. So if Eric Reed is somebody that's been doing what he's been doing as far as standing beside Cap, somebody like him calls Jay-Z a coon, you got a lot of people out here that don't know how to think for themselves that's off buck right now, like Damn. Yeah, Jay-Z, that was kind of coonish. Jay-Z might be a coon. And, knowing and, good and damn well he not. And they got their idea from a nigga who getting paid by that league. That he Bingo. Jay-Z for partnering, partnering with. with. <laughs> not, not accepting no check from partnering with. Like, it's two completely different things than being an employee and being a partner with a fucking organization. Like, it's... It, that's what baffles me is that somebody like Eric Reed, which once again, I don't want anybody to think that I don't stand with him because I stand with, for a lot of the same stuff that he does. But at the same time, you got to see the hypocriticalness in him calling, calling out Jay-Z for partnering with the same organization. Like you said, he's accepting a check from. So it's a, that's a whole, a whole slew of issues with that. But like you said, we're not going to touch on that too much because we don't want to get too deep into that with this being a sports platform. But let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit, man. Let's talk about something that I guess in the same realm is crazy, but a, a crazy on a completely different spectrum. Miles Garrett, man. He's been suspended indefinitely, which obviously they're saying that at the very least, he's suspended for the entire NFL season and likely some of next year as well. What is your take on this whole whole incident with him? For those who don't know, if you've been living under a rock, he was seen uh, on last Thursday night's game um, snatching Mason Rudolph's helmet off, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and hitting him <laughs> over top of the head with it. Um What's your what's your take on it, Sam? Yeah, I mean, for one, Rudolph should have got suspended too. Yeah, yeah, Off yeah. Top. that's a fact. He should have been suspended too. But after I say that, I gotta say that um, Miles Garrett's suspension is definitely warranted. Fact. You cannot hit nobody with the damn helmet. Like, I mean, it, <laughs> he ain't like just snatch it off and try to like baby tap him. Like he tried to fucking Hulk smash his head. Yeah, you can't, you can't hit nobody with the helmet, man. It's a weapon. You yeah. want the football field using a weapon, like, and then yeah, you you just can't do that. I mean, anybody who tried <laughs> just to, now, like I said, I understand. Like he, I understand how it ended up happening. He did the moment he pissed off. You know what I'm saying? He snatched the helmet and he hit him. Because Cuz tried to rip his helmet off first. Mm-hmm. But you got to know you getting suspended after that, big dog. There's no, yeah. way. <laughs> There's no way you thought you was going to hit somebody with the helmet and they was just going to be like, oh, it's all good. 
Yeah, that the thing with me is we're gonna touch on Mason Rudolph, but first we gotta touch on Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett's act was inexcusable. That's something that definitely deserves a suspension. I don't think he needs to be suspended from the NFL forever because I've seen a lot of people call for that. I think the rest I think, of the year is cool. Yes, exactly. I think the rest of this NFL season is enough. You suspend him for then, give him the offseason to think about it, which he's already thinking about it now, and which move forward from there. But as far as the other end of the stick is concerned, Mason Rudolph cannot just walk free the way that they allowed him to. You can see blatantly in the video. NFL's played this tape over and over. That's how you get to suspending somebody for as much as for as long as you do. You have to replay the tape. There's no way the NFL replayed that tape and they missed one, Mason Rudolph trying to snatch off his helmet. Two, Mason Rudolph trying to kick him in his nuts. Three, Mason Rudolph trying to knee him in his nuts. Like this wasn't just a act that he just did. Like Miles Garrett didn't just take his helmet off and try to hit him for no reason. There was a lot of stuff that happened that led up to that. And like you said, yes, I can understand you getting angry, but that's not how you don't take it there. You don't snatch somebody's helmet off and try to knock their head off with the helmet. Like you said, point blank period. There's no better way to sum it up other than that's a weapon. The helmet is it, it's now a weapon. You're swinging it, trying to hit somebody in the head. That's a weapon. And you six so, seven like two two eight. You're, you're all yes. Muscle. You <laughs> are a man. Like <laughs> fact. That's why he. Helmet. That's why he was able to hit him with the helmet because of his athleticism. He went right over top of that lineman's arm. Boop. Caught him right on the top of the head with it. And, and like I said, I think that his suspension is definitely needed. He definitely deserves that suspension. But along with that. Mason Rudolph deserves a suspension as well. May not be for the entire, exactly, may not be for the entire season, but it's got to be for multiple weeks. It's got to be. That's just a, that's just the way that it should have been. There's no way that the NFL replayed that tape and did not see Mason Rudolph do anything. Because if he never did none of that shit, it probably never happens. Fact. That's a fact. The play is over. The play is over. Like it, there's no, like it's over and done with. So, like I said, I feel like the NFL, now you've got a bigger issue because now it looks like a race thing. Now it looks like the black guy got suspended for hitting him with the helmet. The white guy walks free after he just basically provoked him into doing it. So now it's a completely another another racial issue that's not new to the NFL. I feel like if both guys were black, it would have been the exact same, like, I, I don't know, like, it's only speculation at this point. You can only speculate how it would have looked if it was a black quarterback. But, I mean, it is what it is. People are going to look at it that way, which I don't believe it had anything to do with race. But now you got an issue on your hand to where it does look like race. And the NFL dropped the ball by not, not even holding Mason Rudolph accountable. They haven't even made a statement as to say why he we wasn't did suspended. exactly nothing. Nothing at all. It's just like, uh, well, he suspended indefinitely, and let's just let's play ball. Let's 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 continue. That's that's bullshit to me. Mason Rudolph deserves the same treatment. Not not as egregious, but he deserves the same treatment. He deserves a suspension. I agree wholeheartedly that he does. But yeah, man. Um, I want to talk about. The MVP race, man. It's been neck and neck. Um, so far, I will say before last week, well, last week we had fluctuation as well. Um, last week we had, um, we had Lamar. The, the basically the MVP race has been between Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. You had Lamar basically up his rank and become the number one overall guy in the MVP race by taking down the Patriots. But then you flipped the script and you got Russell Wilson turning around and taking down the undefeated 49ers. And he did it like in, in superstar fashion, which he's been doing all year. He's looked like that guy that deserves all of the money that he was paid. So, 
I would feel like at this point Lamar's leading the race just off the strength that Lamar had another great week last week and Russell Wilson had a bye. So he's kind of got the leg up right now. But as far as the MVP race is concerned, who's your MVP? I like Lamar right now. Um, the rushing yards. Just that rushing stands yards. out. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I feel like it. I feel like if both of their if they both win out, I think it might come down to the rushing yards, man. I mean, he going crazy on the ground. And the runs that he making, like he, he got the wow factor too. Like Russell Wilson kind of just gets it done and puts up the numbers, but Lamar doing it in spectacular fashion. Yeah. Um Lamar's got more rushing yards than a lot of running backs in yeah. this league. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> Lamar Jackson is a top 10 rusher in the NFL. Right now, he's slated right at number 10. And mind you, he's got way less attempts than anybody ahead of him. The closest person to him as far as attempts is concerned is Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry has got him by over 60 attempts. So, <laughs> I mean, he's top 10 in rushing. And we see what he's doing passing as well. He's he's become a guy that's shown that I'm not just a runner. I can sling the rock. And he's doing it efficiently. Now, thing with Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson's completion percentage is phenomenal. Um, one of the highest in the league. He's sitting at 68% completions. Damn. Over two bands passing the ball. Um, the thing that stands out the most, obviously, is his touchdown to interception ratio. That's what I feel like is really separating him from the crowd. He's got 23 touchdowns in the league, which is tops. Most passing touchdowns in the league. He's also only got two interceptions. That's a phenomenal ratio. He's also sitting on a 78% um, 78 quarterback rating, which is the highest in the NFL as well. Um, it just, I mean, it. I feel like everything outside of rushing goes to Russell Wilson. So I think that, like you said, if it really goes down to the wire and both of these guys lead their teams to where they're supposed to lead them to, it could potentially come down to that. It could come down to rushing. But I happen to think that Russell Wilson, if he continues the pace that he's going, he'll he'll win just off the strength that, like I said, he leads the league and um, and quarterback rating. He leads the league in passing touchdowns. He um, is tops in the league. He doesn't. He's tied with a few guys, but um, as far as starting quarterbacks is concerned, uh, he's right at the top as far as the interceptions are concerned. With only throwing two, if he can keep up that pace, I feel like the MVP is his to lose. Um, I, I like I said at this point, I'm I'm down with either one of them, man. It's I really don't. I I, I hate to be the race guy and bring up race, but it is so crazy to me to see the tides turn and seeing the best quarterbacks in the NFL be black men and seeing <laughs> a guy who's dominating on the ground being a white guy and Christian McCaffrey. Um, it's crazy to see that flip. Um, but, yeah, as far as the MVP race is concerned, uh, I, I'm I'm very, very, very slightly – going with Russell Wilson at this point. If Lamar keeps up what he's keeping up, I, I'm not arguing with anybody picking Lamar for the MVP. You won't hear me argue that, not a bit. But just me personally, as far as what I've seen, Lamar is definitely more exciting to watch. But as far as being a, a, a guy that scares me more, it's definitely Russell Wilson. So I I, I don't know. That's... <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I'm, it's like I'm back and forth with this. Part of me want to go with Lamar. Part of me wants to go with Russell. But like I said, at this point, I'm going to go with Russell. But um, before we get out of here, man, let's talk about the Pick and Roll Podcast fan poll of the week. Question was, 
who would you rather start your franchise with at this point, Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, which I thought was a phenomenal question. Once I saw you cook that up, I'm like, yeah, I like that a lot. So if you had to pick, who would you start your organization with between the two? I'm going to have to go with Patrick Mahomes. Um, that just the the flair and that he brings to that quarterback position, the throwing the football, I, I just love it. I love watching him throw it. The no look passes. The I feel like we're gonna see him throw a behind the back pass. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me not one. Like it, he just got that. He just took that Aaron Rodgers flair to another level. I feel like. Yeah, it seems like our listeners agree with you. They took Patrick Mahomes um, by a win of fifty nine percent to forty one percent. And me personally, I'm going the exact same route, man. Patrick Mahomes just has that ability that we. Like you said, we've seen from Aaron Rodgers, but he's just taken it to another level and made it more exciting. Excuse me, more exciting to watch and more consistent, man. It's like he had that phenomenal rookie season and or first season, should I say? And people expected him to come back this year and not do the same thing, but he looks like the exact same guy. Like. <laughs> It's like he. This is who he is. It's like he. He didn't just have a good season. He's this good of a quarterback. And it, I mean, if it wasn't for the injuries, we the MVP race would be a lot harder than what it is. If it wasn't for him missing those games, now we would have a three-headed monster that we would have to choose from as far as the MVP race is concerned. But as far as starting my franchise, yeah, give me give me my homes, man. Give me my homes. He's a special specimen with his arm, and. I mean, he's not too shabby with his legs either. He makes plays with his feet. Not Lamar-esque, but he can definitely do it. But, um, yeah, man, I want to uh, I wanna do some pick-ems, though. When, I don't think I set up no pick-ems. Um, this week in college football, we got Penn State at Ohio State. That's number eight, Penn State at number two, Ohio State. Who you got? Mm, I'm going with the Buckeyes. Got to, got to. You know that's where I'm at. I'm, I got my Buckeyes, and I got them by multiple scores. I'm not gonna say how many. At least, at least two. Um, let's go. See what matchups we got in the NFL this week. Um, we got any more key matchups? I don't think we do. I'll play the Patriots. Um. Yeah, that's probably the best. Oh, actually, we do. We got a couple. Um, Green Bay at San Francisco. Who you got? Give me discount double check. Oh, that's rough. On the road. I, mean, I, I, think, um, I think this that game where he'd be like, hold on now. I'm still Mr. Rogers. I like it. I'm going Aaron Rodgers too, man. Yeah, give me give me the Packers. Uh Cowboys Patriots. Who you got? It's it's in Foxborough, right? Yes, it is. In New England. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, but you know I'm not going against my Cowboys. Oh, yeah, on, I don't know if I expect that. Um, give me the boys, and my reason being the boys is because last week. Philly had a, the prime opportunity. Granted, Philly was at home. They had the opportunity to beat New England. Um, difference was Philly couldn't score the ball. They did a good job of putting pressure on Tom Brady, and it's been shown that the the major weakness for them this year has been that offensive line, man. When they come up against teams that could put pressure on a quarterback, they've looked suspect. They're coming up against a Cowboys team that loves to do that. They got a lot of bodies that they can throw out there and and put pressure on Tom Brady. So that's why I'm going with the Cowboys. Uh, I'm not going to be heartbroken if we lose. It is the Patriots. But, yeah, I think this is a game where the Cowboys get a little bit of swagger back and show that we didn't drop some games, but we still got the talent on this team to – make a run at the Super Bowl. And that that's that's how it always seems to happen with this fucking team, which pisses me off. We get up for the games that we that that matter, but then we play the teams that don't necessarily mean that much and we fucking lose. Like so yeah, that that's that's my take. I got the Cowboys. Let me try to find a little banger. It ain't um 
I don't believe that there are major college basketball games between now and the next time that we uh, record. When is the Duke-Michigan uh, State game? Probably Monday or Tuesday of next week. Let me see. It probably is Tuesday. Oh, no, nah, it's not. It's a little ways out. What are we we looking Jan December, January? Uh, I think so. I think it is December. Um, cause I ain't hit it yet. Yeah, it's December third, so we got a ways. We'll be able to record before record again before that game. So, um, yeah, I don't think we got no marquee matchups in between now and then. But um. Yeah, man, I guess that pretty much does it for the episode. You got any locks or anything for the fans? Nah. I'm yeah, I can't. Away from the betting lately. <laughs> it ain't really been it ain't really been too kind to anybody. From the people that I've heard that have been betting, it's been a whole bunch of dang, I missed it by a game, or dang, such and such really messed me up. Like I didn't think that they was gonna drop the ball like that. So yeah, I would I would advise most of our people from staying away from that as well. But yeah, man, that that pretty much does it. Oh, what's this? James Wiseman must sit an additional eleven games as part of suspension. So it says he has been suspended for twelve games by the NCAA. Will be eligible to play January the twelfth, so he can come back. That's that's solid. 12, At least he's not gone for the whole year. Yeah. Okay. Okay, NCAA. This says they based their decision on case precedent. So that makes sense because obviously, like I said, it's outdated. Like it don't make sense at this point. Mm. What says the circumstances of this case and other mitigating factors. So. Yeah, I, I think I think that they they went about it the right way. I can finally say that I agree with the NCAA. Finally, right. <laughs> so yeah, he'll he'll be back. He'll be back, guys. We talked about him last episode. So if you haven't checked James Wiseman out, you have to wait until January. What did that say? January twelfth will be his first game back again. So be looking out for him. But, uh, yeah, man, signing out. It's your boy Ish. And it's your boy Sam. Appreciate y'all. We out.